Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, monkeys. How are you? Hey, may the fourth be with you. Yep. And that's about enough of that before we get... Some sort of cease and desist or just outright dragged into court. Well, happy Star Wars Day, everybody. And what better day to have another special edition of Go To Movies on the Snark Monkey podcast than today with the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi himself in the Clone Wars and the animated features, James Arnold Taylor. He's also Ratchet and Ratchet and Clank and, and Tetis in Final Fantasy X and he's Johnny Test and a whole bunch of other voices many of them inside his head, and sometimes they come out his mouth. What? Also a very good friend from way back, and we get into that, but we're also talking about his comfort food movie. And even though today is Star Wars Day and Star Wars The Clone Wars will be wrapping up, uh, we don't talk about a Star Wars movie. His comfort food movie today that we talk about is a romantic comedy starring Albert Brooks, directed by Albert Brooks, co-starring Meryl Streep, 1991's Defending Your Life. It's good. Oh, it was a great excuse for me to go back and rewatch this delightful romantic comedy taking place once again in the afterlife. Seems to be a theme going here with these go-to movies and my guests. So let's get into it and head to a long time ago. No, no, no. It's go-to movies time. Defending your life with James Arnold Taylor. So how are we going to start? Who's going to start? What are we? Are we starting? Is this? Has this been the whole That's podcast? I've got to go. Okay, bye. That's all you get. Um, no, yeah. Let's do yours. All right. Um, so you just you know start however you want. I'm so excited. I have lists and lists of things, movies and things. I know you only want one, but well, we're going to talk. I want to talk at length about defending your life because that was the one you brought up. But I also want to yeah. hear your other ones. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what? you just go. You want you want to start. You go ahead and do your thing. All right. Um, well, I feel like we started. We had such great material there at the beginning. <laughs> we were on a roll, James, and then uh, me trying to start the uh, podcast, it's, it's screeching to a freaking halt. Yeah. Oh, oh dude. Just all I, I wish I was good at this. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are here today in this strange, strange time 
Um, and I have had the, the pleasure of being in touch with folks in the creative community who also happen to have been previous guests on my Snark Monkey podcast. As a matter of fact, this gentleman was my very first guest on Snark Monkey way back in the day in the mid-2000s or whenever, <laughs> 2010s, whenever it was. Uh, he is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi on The Clone Wars. He is the voice of... The Flash and Dummy in Lego DC Shazam Magic and Monsters. He is the voice of Titus in Fa- Final Fantasy Seven. Ten. Ten. Damn. Ten. Uh, he is. Uh, he's a bunch of things, and he's a wonderful human being who I have known forever. He is a brilliant uh, comedian and actor and voice person and a fine family man. And uh, and pretty easy on the eyes. James Arnold Taylor, everybody. Hey, well, you know, you are one of my, and, and this is not bad, oldest friends. Oh, wow. <laughs> what does that mean? That hurt. No, meaning I, you, you, not your age, uh, but long oh. You're one of my longest running friends, because most people don't really like me. But, but also because... I'm not going to dispute that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I know. There was a big, big thing of air. There. It's not. It's it's not. You're a big thing of air. Right back at you, man. Okay, we are on the wrong foot. Uh, but man, here's the thing that people don't know though is before we actually started recording, you and I, you like the first word you said triggered a bit that went into like a 60 second bit that we didn't that without missing a beat that we hadn't done in I think 20 years. Yeah, it had to have been uh, Stan and Larry. Yeah. Uh, which is not even a bit that I helped you create, but I, I no. helped you continue. And <laughs> uh, right. and it will forever be a part of our and, – and the ironic thing is uh, we played Stan and Larry, and I was Stan, <laughs> and you became Larry. So my <laughs> emails because, to you yeah. typically start out, Larry, Larry, <laughs> Larry. And then I reply, Stan, Stan. <laughs> and then we just go from there. Because Stan and Larry was based off of a clothing commercial in the 90s by Sam and Libby. And they had these very, like, you remember the Dockers with oh, the yeah. pants and all you saw were the pants? Remember Seinfeld? I hate that commercial. <laughs> it was basically one of those kind of hipster, yuppie commercials about clothing. And they were just, like, so cool. And I made this parody of it with uh, my old writing partner, Pete Hansen, and we called it Stan and Larry. And it was two guys because we were two guys instead of a guy and a girl. And then Pete no longer uh, worked where I was working with you, and you were my big boss. And so you just fell right into the character. Well, you invited me. I, I would have never deigned myself worthy of just jumping in like that. But you... Oh, no. It was... it was, And no one ever yeah, noticed. No one noticed. Yeah. Well, I had been, sure. I'd been such a yeah. fan, and I had been listening to it forever, so I was already... <laughs> Like in in the groove, like I hit the ground running. I knew exactly what I wanted to yeah. do, and just following I your have, your lead. I should have got some of them. Maybe I'll send you some of them because I have all of them. I have every standing yeah, line. You still. have everything archived. But, but James were, and I go back to weird. the day of uh, back when radio comedy was funny, and we were creating it for radio stations around the country. That entire time, what's that? Yeah. I wonder if people like the young folks listening really even understand that because they listen to podcasts. Yeah. But what we did, I wonder, because they were these weird little comedy bits and fake commercials right. and stuff. Would they? Would they even understand it? I well, I think they get. I mean, 
Not yeah. to insinuate people aren't smart enough to get it. No, I'm I think you're saying, saying that people so are stupid removed. and don't understand the, <laughs> the concept. I mean, basically no. what we were trying to do was Saturday Night Live for the radio every single day and, every day. and yeah. never stop. <laughs> uh, cre- right. we, created, we created running characters. We created parody commercials, parody songs. Mm-hmm. And James and uh, for a while, his partner Pete and I – and uh, Rob the Iceman Eisenberg, and there was this yep. just kind of like ra- it was the ultimate ragtag group of of uh, comedy brethren, and we were Oscar nominated writer Alan Wankus. Yes, yes exactly for uh, Straight Outta Compton, indeed, mm-hmm. and also through you know at various phases, Jimmy Kimmel went through there, Adam Carolla went through there, a number yeah. of folks uh, from the UCB Theater who are now on TV and in film went through there, and at the time we were all haunting these studios uh, in the valley in los angeles just like pooping out comedy <laughs> constantly it was just is that what we did that's it yeah Ooh. it was like you know if you opened up the willy wonka doors and instead of a chocolate stream it was a comedy poop stream wow yeah I, did i bring it that, to life <laughs> that's never uh, been explained like that but i guess i feel better it's appropriate I think, like what i say to people is Saturday Night Live, you like all this stuff on Saturday Night Live. That's basically what we did for the but for the radio, right? Yeah, yeah. but That's we did it constantly. It was Constant. it was daily grind of, and it never stopped. We did not get week long breaks to, to stop it because radio goes on around the clock, and we were supplying right. a huge volume of material. But what my point? Years. Yeah. My, the point I was going to make though was that through that entire time. And this is the absolute truth, and I'm not just uh, kissing your butt because you're here, but this was absolutely <laughs> true. There couldn't have been more times when we were all working together yeah. where we, behind your back, are going, all of us, we're going, why isn't James, like, like famous, right? Why isn't he oh, yeah, doing yeah. every cartoon? <laughs> and even you were going, why aren't I famous? And uh, <laughs> there, it, it, if there was anybody who was destined to do what he's doing now, it was James. And it was just oh. so clear to us. And, and, it, and it was frustrating to us and frustrating to you when mm-hmm. you couldn't get that breakthrough. And when it came, yeah. um, I think there, all of the rest of us were like, finally, it's just people figured it out. The number one star <laughs> in the world. Bang. You hear me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you. That is incredibly kind of you to say. And it, it's just one of those things where ever since I was four years old, I wanted to do voices in cartoons. Yeah. I wanted to entertain people with my voices, and I did these weird characters and stuff. And so I just tried and tried and tried. And that's where people go, oh, voiceover, that's big, and that's easy to get into. It's like, no, it takes a oh, long no. time, even for somebody that is working in I worked in radio for you know well over a decade before getting into voiceover to where I was known or working on shows and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, You were knocking on that door for a long time. And if you would like to hear the origin story of James Arnold Taylor, we go into great detail. Uh, I'm sure James has talked about it on his uh, own YouTube channel and on his yeah, own podcast. podcast and stuff, yeah. But yeah, if you want to hear uh, kind of the snark monkey version of J- the James Arnold Taylor story, um, it's our very first episode. If you go back in the feed anywhere, if you search snark monkey in your podcast and check out episode number one, he is wow. there. But the, wow. re- the reason I have James here today is because I reached out. I have been reaching out and so many people have been so kind to respond because we're in a weird time. And if there was ever a time where we need the comfort and joy of something that we can all share together, because so many of us are 
trapped in our homes with our family members and or our loved ones. And and one of the things, in addition to consuming a lot of new content, because we might have a little more time, is kind of going back to some of the things that we love and maybe sharing them with our family or with our kids and and who haven't seen these things yet. And it's interesting, uh, the first movie that you came up with when I asked you about this go-to movie concept was uh, Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks film from 1991. And and I should have immediately responded, who is that? (laughs) You know, Albert Albert Brooks, the comedian, director, Albert Brooks. Who is that? Except that's such an inside joke. That's an inside joke, which I almost was going to put that movie as mine just just to (laughs) to make us watch it. Uh, James and I in uh, the early, early 2000s made a mockumentary called The Comedy Team of Pete and James. Yep. Which is a real thing that exists, and and, and it's, it's on my YouTube. Channel. Is also on James's uh, YouTube channel in full. If you want to see something that, to this day, it amazes me that we were able to pull off what we did yeah. with nothing, with nothing, with Way nothing ahead of our time. I mean, because that was just like you know, consumer, like prosumer cameras. They were almost pro, but not totally, but they were because that's the best you could get. Yeah, we were retrofitted and, the camera to be wide ang- to be like boxed, uh, letterbox yeah, because like widescreen. Yeah. we didn't have the ability to do that in camera. So we did it uh, in post and just remember the rendering time from scene oh to God. scene. We had the first Apple computers that could bring video in and you could use iMovie and Final Cut Pro. And so we were cutting on both. We took a class for Final Cut Pro. That's right. That that's we went, right. Like, one afternoon, we went to some like strip mall and there was like this store we went in and we learned how to do Final Cut we Pro. We took a class to edit on film. So now you got your video there. Now hit the button. Which, by the you way, what you done? We, we took the class even though we had already started the movie. So we were actually like learning in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but so. It was fun. So, but there is a, a line in the film where James, as the main character, uh, is doing stand-up on his own. He's doing impressions, which is his specialty, and he does a little bit from uh, Albert Brooks' movie *Modern Romance*. A great yes. line, which <laughs> I I believe to this day is an influential line of comedy because he, at the time that he made that movie, he broke the rule of threes. Yeah. And uh, made it the rule of two, and now that is very common in comedy. And can you do? Oh, yeah. Can you do the line, James? This is a no-win situation. You have never heard of a no-win situation. Vietnam. This. Now that's a fantastic piece of writing because the rule forever was: you want to have a list of things. You go right. this, this, and then the punchline. And Albert Brooks, in his brilliance, his <laughs> subtle brilliance, went. Compared their romance to Vietnam, this, um, that's freaking great. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And he made it work yeah. because of his delivery and because of his commitment to it. But you're right. That's, that is so true. It's always one, two, three comedy, yep. you know, but he did one comedy, basically. Yeah. One, two comedy. So James uh, and I both already fans of Albert Brooks. And I'm, I'm afraid, James, that Albert Brooks might be one of those 
kind of brilliant comedy names that may be lost to some generations because he hasn't he's still around he's still alive yeah. he's still yeah, extremely funny he's one of my favorite twitter follows because he's still just got one of the sharpest writing oh, minds yeah. same same with the end well here's where people may know him finding nemo I'm yes. looking for my son, Nemo. Yes. Nemo, it's me. That's I can't remember. The, what, what's his name in that movie? Uh, dad. I'll look it up. <laughs> he's the dad fish. Yeah. Uh, that's Albert Brooks. And he's a great voice actor. I mean, that's it, you're, that's a great point. I mean, the last time I've seen him in any sort of movie role that, that stuck was uh, he was a he was a great bad guy in the movie Drive with Ryan yeah. Gosling. Wasn't he fantastic? He was great. And I can't believe that that hasn't given him like a tarantino style you know second act in his acting because he yeah he is but he's he's a tortured soul i think himself as a person and so you know he's got to believe that he's good enough and his brother was uh super dave osborne bob einstein bob einstein who recently passed away god rest his soul and um so yeah they were so his real name is albert albert einstein Einstein. so you know why now why he changed his name for comedy So but Albert, the, the, yeah. I'm sorry, Larry. The Go. one thing I will tell you though is I don't want to jump ahead, but we showed Defending Your Life recently to my daughter because of all of this. You know, like watching something comfort food, and she loved it, yeah. and she loved him. So all I say is, there's hope that the young people, if they find him and see him and watch his movies, they may just fall in love with him. Well, here's why I was so fascinated to see this recommendation is because, well, for two things. One. It is not an uncommon recommendation right now. I did a search on the Google machine uh, really? for for comfort food movies and wow. also included Defending Your Life. And a number of people have said, this is a good time to go back and revisit this movie. And yeah. after rewatching it just <laughs> over the last couple of days, I yeah. see why. It is uh-huh. so delightful, so heartwarming, so life affirming for something that takes place in the afterlife. It's and it's really genuinely warmly funny. It it may not be my favorite Albert Brooks movie because he had the ability to be yeah. very biting and you know his yeah. movies can be very dark and that's what why this was such a departure when it came out and also maybe why it was kind of a much bigger hit when it came out than any yeah, of his other it was movies. More of a studio movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, for him, it was a studio movie. But it, w- but it was still his sense of humor and his Absolutely. take on things. But uh, and 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 you know there is some irreverency to it. But there's also this just l- it, it 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 wraps up in such a a, a warm way that is so satisfying. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, the yeah, other interesting the, point uh, that you picked it is that my first go-to movie was with my good friend Pete Siegel, the film director. Right. He chose the movie Heaven One Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. I love that movie. Which is another movie about the afterlife. And it's so oh, interesting. interesting. I mean, it just that, that, that's kind of a coincidence, but it's also a, an interesting thing to be thinking about. Maybe we're all a, a little bit more, you know, we're kind of reaching for that you know, what is our connection between this world and what might come? I don't know if we're being a little more introspective or maybe we find some comfort in the idea of something just beyond where we are right now. I, 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 I'm not deep enough to kind of figure that out. But a lot of people are kind of picking these movies that have almost fantastical elements but are also grounded in something that is connected to faith, I guess, is for lack of a yeah. better term. And, um, and you know the funny thing about it, well, that whole the whole theme of that movie is fear and overcoming fear. Yes, 
Let's get to that. Let's go over the, the, the movie. And I also want to get your other recommendations because I can imagine with your vast library and also oh, just the word. things you love. I want to hear about that in a little bit. But let's talk okay. about Defending Your Life since that's the one you picked. And by the way, I think both James and I can wholeheartedly recommend this as for the entire family, not not maybe little, yeah. not maybe little kids, but it, there's nothing truly kind of objectionable in the movie. No. But but it's a little adult from the standpoint of just it may bore small children. Um, yeah. But I think if you have a, a <laughs> young teen to teenager and they're willing to sit with you through a lovely little, it's essentially a romantic comedy. I mean, it's, it really is. It's just I mean, a love my story. Fifteen year old daughter loved it, and she was um, she may have been fourteen when she first saw it, and she just loved it. Yeah. And and we quote it now back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 uh, let's see. It's Albert Brooks uh, and, uh, you know, Barry the lead. Meryl's name. Yeah. Meryl, Meryl Streep, Streep, who who they like doesn't even show up until like 20 minutes <laughs> into the movie. And the funny thing is, is Meryl Streep, you know, one of one of our greatest actresses of, of the time of our, our day. And she's done so many brilliant movies and Oscars and all that. This is my favorite of her movies. She's so good in this because she's so relaxed in it. It's such a departure for her because I don't believe she had really done many, if any, comedies up to this point. And not to this degree. Not like this. Yeah. And she is absolutely lovely in it and perfect. And apparently, once she was cast, I mean, she was, uh, she was actually asked by Albert to be in it. And he had absolutely no thought that she would say yes. And when she did, <laughs> he went back and rewrote the script so it really? would fit her, her better. Because that. once he knew that Meryl Streep was going to be in it, um, uh-huh. he said, I heard her voice and I, I, I felt her rhythms of her speech and I had to change the character to match what I thought she could do. And to his credit... It's perfect because it's not like she's not trying to be something different. She's not trying to be funny. She is just absolutely perfect in the role. So uh, Albert Brooks plays Daniel, who is an L.A. advertising executive. He it's established very quickly. He's not a bad guy. And that's what's interesting about the tone of the movie is that he doesn't play a reprehensible character who needs his comeuppance or something. Not at all. He's just all. kind of normal. Yeah, he, he's he's a fairly normal guy, but but maybe he's made some neurotic. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, he's kind of pushed people away, maybe, and and been afraid to, like you said, had the fear of t- taking some chances. But he's worked his way up, and he's doing well. He dies in a, <laughs> within the first few minutes. Dies in a car accident on his birthday. On his birthday, <laughs> and is sent to Judgment City, which is this kind of very stark pristine um way station essentially Not very much like hell yeah, yeah yeah it was it was just a place basically where what he finds out and it's literally called judgment city because it is decided at that point what your next step is going to be whether you are going to have to go back and try again on earth <laughs> or whether you get to move on as they would right. say right and yeah. um and so you would literally have to go into these courtrooms to defend your life, to to and find they play out. You <laughs> scenes, clips of your life, yes. like you're watching a movie, like your life is a movie. So many of us think sometimes our movie, our lives are like a movie. In this, he actually gets to look at his life like a film, and it's great. And Albert Brooks' character is very luckily uh, being assigned his attorney, his defender, the uh. great. 
rip torn people he it, um you know uh pete and i had a chance back when we worked in radio uh we got a chance to interview rip torn and talk to him for a larry sanders uh press junket and the first thing we said to him is when we die we want you as our attorney and he <laughs> he was so touched he said that was the greatest movie i've ever done i was so thr-. and he wanted to just talk about that oh, he didn't wow. want to talk about he loved larry sanders show but he was like oh my gosh if i could just sit and talk about defending your life what an experience it was yeah he just loved it and he was brilliant he's great I mean, Rip Torn is just Rip Torn, no matter what he does, but nobody does Rip Torn as well as Rip Torn. And so (laughs) it's the perfect role for him. And honestly, it's he's one of the few kind of recognizable character actor faces in the movie. It's it's not there's not a lot of stunt casting. You don't see a whole lot of comedy people in there. Uh, Buck Henry shows up and very briefly. It's funny because Buck Henry is fifth build on the poster. And yeah. he's in the movie for like two minutes. It's really yeah. strange. Oh, but he's hysterical. He's, he's so in. good. And uh, Oscar like winner that. and Emmy winner Lee Grant is oh, yeah. the tough as nails prosecuting attorney, I guess the best yeah. word you can use. Yeah, the prosecutor, yeah. Who is essentially trying to prove that Daniel's time on Earth was not very well spent and he should go back and try again because – he gave in to his fears too often. And that's what's so interesting about the tone of the movie. And I think it's where Albert was absolutely brilliant is that and you brought this up earlier, James, and I want you to talk a little bit about this because it's really not about they're not looking back on parts of his life where he did bad things. This is and, and this movie doesn't even approach things that way. It's more about yeah. missed opportunities based upon the fears you had about standing up for yourself and moving forward. And I, I got to think that that's part of the success of this movie is that you don't dislike Albert Brooks' character. You're, you're, you're just a little kind of wishy-washy on him because that's how he's lived his life, it seems. Yeah, there's times you get frustrated with him, but isn't that what we do with ourselves? Right. We get frustrated after we do something. Why did I do that? You know, and we become that kind of just like him. You know, why? Why am I doing this? Oh, great! You know, uh, and that that <laughs> they have this montage of you know uh, all these simple <laughs> mistakes he's made, which is one of the funniest montages in in movie history. It, it is. It is so good. It is. So, uh, do you remember the the clips in the montage? I mean, the yeah. Some of the clips are like one of them. He's in his car with a with a coat hanger, and he's locked <laughs> he's in locked the car, <laughs> trying to get out with the coat hanger, which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, he gives up almost immediately. There's also a, a moment where he, I think it's a chainsaw that he you know yes. pulls the ripcord on, and it immediately <laughs> throws him around in a circle, and he cuts the. The umbrella the furniture the, half, on the yeah. patio furniture in half. And, and these are all super quick. They go by and it just, they just build and build and build and, and end with that stuck inside the car trying to get out with a coat <laughs> hanger, which is like, what? What, what does, does that, that even, even mean? Yeah. Yeah, but his his whole life has been about fear, and yet he can't really even say what the fear is. And I think that that you know, I I, I literally earlier today was on the phone with a friend of mine, who kind of is the uh, walking epitome of of Albert Brooks in this. <laughs> but and I mean that in a in a good way. He's a great guy, but he he is very kind of oh sure, it's just me, you know, kind of a thing. Right. But. This assumption that we all have that everybody else has it 
better than me in as far not as better than me like oh they've got more than me but that they know what they're doing more than i do right i'm an idiot everybody else isn't or they deserve it and i i don't or yes and that's that's what's so powerful about this thing is that really if if you're really locked into this movie and this character going to he's portraying you and that's where that's where we get it can can enter into this story that I recognize myself in Daniel. I recognize where if I were being, and you can't help while watching this movie to how, what, how would I respond in this situation? If I were to look back at my life and people yeah. were to show these clips of my life, what would they see me doing? Would they see me holding back in these opportunities? Would they see me, you know, not saying I love you to somebody who I should have said, did, did I not give myself, yeah, did I not stand up for myself, give myself enough credit? You can't help but put yourself in that situation, which I think also creates a conversation after a movie, which makes it that much more resonant for people. Which is what movies were supposed to originally, I think, be about, to give us something to talk about. Like, I mean, the scenes in it are very much ones that every single person can relate to. It yeah. starts with him as a little kid and being picked on in the in the playground, and he should have stood up for himself. And if he hadn't, it, it kind of plagued his whole life that, why didn't I stand up to that bully? Yeah. You know, or, or lying to his parents about something to, because he's trying to save one friend, but then he cracks under pressure when his parents, you know, go to take away yeah. television from him. Yeah. So these are all things we can relate to and then it folds over even into his time there with Meryl Streep's character and being strong enough and not fearful I mean it, it that certainly is a thing that we're all dealing with right now what right ifs, what ifs what ifs well that's so maybe that's why that's the brilliance of it because so much of it is about his character is being shown here again not as somebody who has made bad choices but somebody who is at heart trying to do the right thing and then doesn't Made follow through choices. yes Made, say, choices that were too safe because even. taking sort taking any sort of chance or risk means that you're making yourself vulnerable it it it, it reminds me a lot of what the Brené Brown has been talking about uh, mm. as far as vulnerability where mm. being vulnerable opening up to vulnerability is also a strength that accepting yeah. the fact that you are vulnerable and embracing that is your strength and right. that's one thing that this character and and again we're talking about a comedy here but this is a very <laughs> funny movie but it has so much of that nuance and we should also say Meryl Streep's character on the other hand she's the balance for Daniel she is the one who has made all the and again she is not lifted up it's it's done with so much subtlety again she's sketched very lightly she has made great choices she's done really valuable things in her life but she's not some sort of hero superhuman yeah Yeah, in fact the way she dies which we won't give away even just adds to that right because (laughs) and she's also not full of herself at all she she doesn't take herself she doesn't uh, you know, put herself on a pedestal. And that's one way also where as we see the two of them grow together and become close and actually start to fall in love over these few days that we see them together in Judgment City, um, that that there's that they they can fit together, that there is some compatibility. The difference is, will Daniel 
have the strength and and overcome the fear to go to the next step. Whereas she is looking for somebody in her life uh, or her afterlife who 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 just makes her laugh. Who who things she says this doesn't take any effort. Um, that was one of her lines at one point, which where, is a beautiful part yeah. because it shows that people that we kind of perceive as all together still need people like us that we think are not that together yeah that it really brings balance by having two people like that together because she's also a relatable character oh yeah there's, absolutely there's that's so much in her that you can relate to yeah she's not sketched so grandly i mean when we see there are a few clips we see of her where she has uh saved children from a burning home and run back runs <laughs> back in cat. for the cat and, and you know she's so that's a that's a very economical way of sketching the kind of person she is and she's watching this kind of just with like oh i remember that and, and there's she's not trying to take any credit for it. she's not all pumped right. up or pompous about it she's just yeah. like yeah oh well that was a thing i did yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just loves her it's Going such a it's a cat with such a nice touch <laughs> the guy says. yes <laughs> so as she and daniel begin to be, get closer uh they're also coming closer to their final judgment after their cases and and in a his near final act of fear he does not follow through and i think it's such an interesting thing for them to point out and for him to say is the reason he doesn't want to really connect essentially what they're talking about is kind of taking the next step in the relationship which is right. going to be intimate and yeah and he says um that this is so lovely i don't see how it could be better than this right now. And right. And and that's wow, that's a powerful thing to say. I mean, it's 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 it hits it me every also, time. It speaks also to our fears and how our fears can actually judge us in that too going it can't get better than this, so don't bother. Yeah. And so much so many times in life there are things that are better and we should bother, but that voice goes, "No, no, stay comfortable." Yeah. Well, well, also in the case of of having a relationship with somebody, it's also if I go this next step, yeah, it's also setting me up again vulnerability to be heartbroken because that's probably what I deserve, and I would prefer to stay here in this safe zone yeah. than have to feel pain. Whereas the approach should be: I have an opportunity here to experience such love and such joy with this amazing person. And that's, I think that's why that scene is so heartbreaking to me because he sees the opportunity to really experience something, but he's logically going, I don't know what's next. Nobody does. Are we even going to have the chance to be together after this? Why would I want to experience that pain of losing something? And he chooses the safer path, which is, I just want to remember how good this was. And that's it. Yeah. And even though once he goes back to Earth, he won't remember it anyways. Right. I mean, that's the funny part, too, is, you know, this this movie does, uh, you know, I'm I'm a Christian. I, my faith is very different than this movie does, but because I don't believe in past lives or any of that. Right. But what I love about it is that it's all so relatable. Some of the I mean, the best things are the funny of it, too, though, like in Judgment City, you can eat 
however much yes. you want and and never gain weight. Now, I don't and, care what religion you are, that's a dream right you, there. Well, that's a version of heaven for some people, I think. I mean, that's that's it's such a great running joke because it's one of the first things they tell you when you get to Judgment City is that no matter what you eat, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get I think when and the food is wonderful. Yes, too. every bite and fast is the best you've ever had. And it it's served immediately, and it's perfect, and it's amazing, and the portions are that scene in the Italian restaurant oh with Meryl gosh. Streep and Albert Brooks and the Italian and actor mater, waiter is fantastic. You like a pie? I'm gonna bring you nine pies. <laughs> you can you take them shrimp? home. <laughs> I'm gonna make you shrimp. You're so fresh. He climbs up onto the plate for itself. You know, I mean, he is just oh. so. And then and then everybody. Oh, and days you look oh. at. And Daniel, Daniel's response to uh, do, you, "Do you want some shrimp? Do you like shrimp?" Yeah. is, I hear they're full of cholesterol. He says, "I don't know what you're saying, but I'm going to bring you." Sh- <laughs> it doesn't matter. He doesn't know what cholesterol is. He doesn't care. He's in Judgment City. Oh, and the pies. I brought you nine pies. Yeah, one for every day. But he says, "How many days are you looking at?" He says, nine days." Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Reaction. Ooh. Yeah. Every time he says he's in Judgment City for nine days, I guess that's a long time. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. that's but a very long time. The character actors he surrounds himself with in these scenes are brilliant. Yeah, they're, they're just great. So funny. From the guy that's the car salesman before he dies, and he's on the phone with the woman, and he's going, "She doesn't know what she's talking about." And all of that stuff. <laughs> It's just so many funny people. Yeah, and, and not like, the most recognizable faces. So the casting was brilliant. They didn't go to kind of these known yeah, character actors cameos. in every case. They they no. they are everyday types uh, when you watch yeah. them, but they're all so good. And and I I, I it's such a brilliant movie. Uh, there is one recognizable face, one big cameo at the Past Lives Pavilion. Yes, that is yes, such a great. It casting choice and the response that they you know the the people you know there's like i always think about loop groups because i'm a voice actor the the loop group that must have had so much fun with that because there's that woman goes oh my god <laughs> when, when you see this person yeah uh, we don't give it away but, well i remember in so theaters uh, the reaction in theaters was, was one of oh yes <laughs> yes of course uh the past lives <laughs> pavilion uh, is is a very funny gag uh <laughs> Because uh, Albert, when he, you basically get to go in and you get to see uh, all of the different lives that you have been, you've been sent back to Earth, you know, potentially a number of times. And who were you over time? And all of Albert's characters' past lives are people, a, a native running away from a lion. Or, I mean, <laughs> do you remember? Just, yeah, always, you know, what are you? Lunch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and he's yelling over to Meryl Streep, and, and he's like, who, who are you? And she's like, uh, what was it? Um, Lancelot. <laughs> Yes, she was a knight. She was literally a knight in shining armor. Uh, well, we should say it ends very happily in in his last chance to prove that he can take a step beyond his fear. He sees uh, his love, uh, Meryl Streep's character, being yeah. taken away in what looks like a Universal Studios tram. Um <laughs> 
playing. I know. wonder where they shot all that stuff too, though, because they they did. A, I mean, this is before CG, so there, there were there were some digital effects to block out some stuff because you can kind yeah, of see in these kind of stationary. We're talking about Judgment City, which is kind of this very not just pristine; it's just kind of a bland place, and, and that's another gag where Albert Brooks' character is staying at what is called the Continental. Which looks like it was built in the 1970s and just kind of a very plain, drab, nice hotel. Or Johnson type right. hotel. Well, Meryl, Meryl's character, Julia, is staying at the Majestic and it's just <laughs> ornate and lush and she's got a jacuzzi in her room. Yeah. And, um, Mints, uh, the, the chocolates on the pillow are like swans and things. But, but see if this makes sense to you. They shot this in a place that needed to look kind of as generic and pristine as possible, but still be familiar as a quote city to people and they yeah. used Irvine California <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, uh, some Lord. scenes were shot at Mile Square Park in Fountain Valley and then they used Irvine and Anaheim as the fun? setting for most of the places yeah so I, I thought that and was the interesting music as well the music it's a in beautiful this score it's, it's a, a really great score score yeah um, very big and lush and lavish at parts and, and sweet and, and all moving. But yeah, when he is on those trams and stuff, it's really, uh, it's quite a lot to look at for that time. That was 1991 yeah. that they did this. That's what I love about it. It's, it's way before all this. It's got a great look. And that actually leads me to a story. I do want to talk a little bit about the the cinematographer for this film, which was a name that mm-hmm. caught me. It didn't occur to me, I think, when I was originally watching the movie. So it was kind of surprising because it's not like some sort of, I mean, it's really well shot. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's, but it's not some sort of stylized look. Things stay kind of very similarly lit throughout the movie, but, but it's a yeah. good looking movie. Don't get me wrong, but it was shot. The cinematographer was a man by the name of Alan uh, Davia. Davia, Davia? Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I've been seeing his name forever. Now, Alan Davia, here's here's the story, James, and let me yeah. just kind of run through this real quick, but I think you'll find this fascinating. Yeah. Uh, back in the 60s, Alan Davia was uh, a buddy, a friend of a gentleman by the name of Steven Spielberg. Who's and uh, Steven Spielberg was a filmmaker. Well, I'm not familiar with him. him you can look up. <laughs> okay. They were buddies as film students back in the 60s. And he, uh, Steven asked Alan to shoot this short film that he was raising money for. This was around the time that Steven Spielberg was crashing the gate at Universal right. and trying to get people to look at his 16 millimeter movies that he had shot. And they were all like patting him on the head going, yeah, you'll be a director one day. No problem. And he was so frustrated that he raised some money. He he knew that he needed to shoot something in 35 millimeter widescreen that looked really good to catch their eye. So he raised uh, something like $25,000, asked this other film student, Alan, to shoot it for him. It ended up being a 20-minute short called Amblin, which, as we all know, is yeah. the name of Steven Spielberg's longtime uh, production company. Now yep. that was 1968, James. Yep. The next time Stephen and Alan are working together, Alan Davioc goes on to have a nice, respectable career, mostly right. doing 
uh, television movies and a lot of television work. When he hears that Stephen is looking for a cinematographer for his new movie and he and it's going to have, you know, like kids in it and stuff. And he had just shot. Yeah, he had just shot. Uh, a TV movie called, with Scott Bayo called The Boy Who Drank Too Much. Yes. And he sent that to Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg apparently said, you know, they hadn't worked together since 68, right? Yeah. So yeah. it had been like almost 15 years. He said, I didn't even think twice. I asked Alan to shoot my next movie. And that movie was E.T., The Extraterrestrial. That yeah. was Alan Davios first major motion picture and don't and tell me that that movie didn't set the tone for what every 80s movie should look like from that yeah. point right and, and absolutely right and then if you look at his you know the twilight zone the color purple color purple yeah he worked with Steven yeah and Harry and the Hendersons, which was another 80s movie that is kind of seminal. Absolutely. And I mean, if you look at it at the way the Duffer Brothers recreate the 80s look for yes. um, Stranger Things, that's yes. Alan Davial's palette. That's his uh, thing. And and that's the thing I like about Defending Your Life is it feels, even though it's 1991, it feels like the, the comedies I kind of grew up with in the 80s and, and even the 70s. It just has that feel. Yeah. Um, and that's what's wonderful about it. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring up Alan's name is that, one, I'm a big cinematographer geek. I know way too many yeah. of these guys' names, and I, I, I know their style and I know their look. It's something I've always been fascinated with. I also wanted to give him a shout-out because not only did he direct some beautifully shot movies, including Bugsy and Av- yeah. Avalon for Barry Levinson yep. and The Falcon and the Snowman for John Schlesinger and worked for Spielberg – he also recently passed away uh, as a result of complications from COVID-19. And yeah. um, so it just it's so interesting that you picked this movie and his name came up because I I have such an affection for what this man did with color and light and what he brought to my memory of great movies and what they were going to look like. And the I think I don't think you can underestimate the the look of film after he started working. And again, not that Steven Spielberg needs our, you know, help or cosign <laughs> on anything, but to have that vulnerability and lack yeah. of fear to say, I haven't worked with this guy since we shot uh, a short out in the desert for nothing, mm-hmm. but I trust him to make what has now become one of the most beloved movies of all time. So, and, and, yeah. Salute to Alan Davion. Yeah, yeah, God bless him. Yeah, that, I mean, it is very sad that he, he just recently passed. Um, and But did you, I don't know if you saw that on Wikipedia as well. It says that Steven Spielberg had just sent him a letter as well. Yes, and uh, it was something they read to him literally while he was on his deathbed yeah. several times. Yeah. yeah, God bless him. Wow. Uh, if you go and look up any, there is some great geeky stuff with Alan Davior, um talking about the times he's worked. He loved talking about working with Spielberg and is just such a great character. He grew up in Louisiana. He's got this just great vibrancy to him. It's just so sad, especially because of circumstances that, I mean, he was 77 when he passed away and, and had a very full life, I'm sure, but still probably yeah. lost much too soon. So yeah. uh, a hats off to Alan Davio. Um, Absolutely. Hey, um, one thing you mentioned in passing, uh, James, and I know that you aren't hesitant to talk about it, but I'm curious because you are a person of faith. 
And yes. that was another interesting thing I thought as I was watching this movie because I, I, I do know folks who – I'm trying to kind of put this in the right way. I, I know folks who are very strong in their faith but who resist watching representations of afterlife if they don't adhere to their more strict version of what they believe. Right. And for instance uh, – uh, it, it, with a very similar tone, I think the the series The Good Place deals mm-hmm. with a lot of similar themes uh, as this this film in in a number of different ways, and yeah. a lot of what they did in that show, which I think is I thought was a wonderful show, and I thought it was very heartwarming, and I think it was dealt with very delicately, but but they don't necessarily talk specifically about a god or creator as much right. as. The idea of having lived a good life and 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 doing good things. In fact, right. in defending your life, the movie we're talking about, there is one reference to God that I can yeah. remember that Albert Brooks yeah. makes. Um, so I'm just wondering, your like I said, there are people I know who have who are very devout who will resist seeing no matter how good the show might be or how much right. the intention is there to yeah. kind of represent this movie is somewhat non-denominational from the standpoint that it yeah. is trying to talk in more general terms about having lived a good life and how that affects what happens to you next. So how do you, how do you balance that in kind of watching this and, and your feelings as a Christian? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I mean, I always, and I talk about this on my podcast as well, I always say, know more than you want to know and know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you... If you know what you believe and why you believe it, you can always stand firm in everything and you can be exposed to all sorts of things and it doesn't matter. And if you know more than you want to know, meaning that's what we tend to do, I think, especially in these days where we just want to be fed what we like and what we approve of. Yeah, yeah. But I constantly challenge myself to be exposed to things that are not what I like or approve of because that's real life and that's the also that's the only way to find common ground with people and to find forgiveness or to find uh love and compassion because everybody's story is the same generally speaking i don't think anybody on this planet uh that is of of right mind you know has thoughts that are opposite of you just to be opposite or to make you mad or to it's like it's just what they believe so i really love watching things that give a different spin than what I believe because it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm still secure in what I believe, but that's interesting. And isn't that funny? And and can't that be charming? And can't that be uh, even something we can learn and grow from? I mean, you know, personally, as a Christian, I feel like uh, everything's been ripped off from God anyway. So I'm not offended by it. You know, it's like he created it all. So, you know, whatever. Of course, people are going to rip them off. People rip everybody off. So, you know. <laughs> I, that's that's my take on you know various other belief systems or what have you and I'm not but that's not a, like a oh you know everybody else is just an idiot and I I know the truth it's of course we all think we know the truth that's I mean that's the other thing that's part of humanity right we just think we're right uh, so there's you just have to have a sense of humor about it you have to go into it knowing I may be right I may be wrong. I, I have to be open. Well, I think and, there's something with a movie like this. I think there's something to be said for if if the core values of the message yeah. of the film match yours, then you they, you have to give it some um, credence. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you have to you have to recognize that what what they're espousing still 
still reconciles with what your core beliefs are, even if they aren't down to the exacting details of... of Well, absolutely. I mean, you look at the Christian faith. I mean, you've got so many different denominations. And, you know, I'm I'm Lutheran. uh, But if you were brought up Catholic, it's like... Oh, wow. I didn't realize that, James. Well, we're done. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) See? See what happened? See what we did? Oh, um. <laughs> but but that's just it. So there's always different belief systems on it. But, you know, I mean, at the core of the Christian uh, belief system, there will be a day of judgment, you know, right. for all of us. Right. So this film is is a very fun, funny uh, exercise and look at that. And how will I hold up? Right. How will I measure up? Well, I mean, virtually all faiths have that inherently built into it and i think that's another thing that uh, and if you haven't figured it out albert brooks is in fact jewish although he didn't necessarily he was more of a cultural jew i think than you know any sort of practicing or orthodox jew um but but i think what uh, another brilliant thing he did was that he did incorporate elements of virtually all faith-based doctrine in in some way yeah um, no, they are right. represented in, in and again, in very light sketches, but but uh, there there's a lot in there, and and I'm also surprised that for a movie that's uh, you know kind of uh, where are we looking at? It's like almost 20 years old now, right? Yeah. Um, oh, well, it's over 20 years old. Yeah. There's very 1991. Oh, good jeez, really? Almost 30 years old. Oh, good lord. Oh. Don't ever do the math, James. That just makes me old. <laughs> well, see, I know because that's the year I was married, and I I will be uh, in another year or so. It'll be thirty years. There so you go. Well. It was the uh, I should have figured it out because that's the year my son was born. So I should yeah. have gotten that right. <laughs> um, but it um, it doesn't. It it's aged pretty well. I mean, there are a couple of things with some yeah. Asian stereotypes that are a little uncomfortable, but. The sushi bar? Oh, it's hysterical. Uh, it's though. it's funny, but also yeah. he he also makes a joke about something about uh, uh, I looked Chinese because I was squinting so much. And it was that was a, that was a rough oh, one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, there are so many movies from twenty to thirty years ago that are. Like, no, we can't, we can't watch them. Well, I mean, like one of my all time favorite movies, which was, should have, uh, normally I would have said this is my, my first choice on this, uh, is the movie Arthur, the original with Dudley Moore and John Gilgood. Yes. But you know, he's a drunk in there. That is not politically correct now at all. It's rough. Yeah. There are so many movies that we have. Alex and I actually watched, uh, Animal House because. Oh, yeah. And. It is so funny so much of the time and so perfectly timed. And Belushi is such a force of nature to watch. And there are so many surprisingly subtle moments of comedy in there from Peter Riegert and Tim Matheson and some physical gags and timing that that John Landis pulled off brilliantly. And there's so much of it that's so wrong now and so tough (laughs) to watch in our current climate. And I feel guilty about laughing at something that i shouldn't be laughing at so it's it's you know when you have to go back and revisit some of this stuff i mean nobody could ever make airplane in this day and age oh no with no you sure couldn't about 70 percent of those jokes you can't do now <laughs> um, isn't that crazy well man so so james i think now would be a great time because you yeah. as i said you had a great go-to list that you oh, have man. probably been powering through and i would imagine that some of these involve 
um, showing your daughter for the first time as she has reached yeah. a certain age where there are maybe some some movies that maybe you're like, okay, I think maybe now's a good time for you to see so-and-so. What, do you- yeah, well, like Love Actually was one that we there really go. held on to for a while because of the very one of the most charming storylines in Love Actually, which of course the people, I'm sure everybody knows Love Actually, but there's all these stories that kind of come together. But one of the most charming stories in it is the one that is, I was most fearful of showing her because it's these two uh, extras on a film set that are the stand-ins for the stars and they're having to get lighting and stuff checked while they're pretending to make love or have sex. Right. I mean, we don't even say make love. They are having sex. Yeah. And they're naked half the time and stuff. So I was like, ugh. You know, so we had to like kind of talk to her like, okay, there's a scene. I don't really know how, you know, <laughs> I want, I mean, you know there's some stuff in it. But um, yeah, we have been having such a blast showing her some of our favorite films. And uh, the one that I really struggled with, it was either Defending Your Life or this one, which is one of my just absolute all-time, it's one of the most perfect films. It's called Return to Me, and it's David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. Oh, and it, it, yes. It is, it is um, Bonnie Hunt directed it and, yes. and wrote it, and it is one of the most beautiful, fun perfect movies you'll ever see oh man i haven't thought of that in forever james that is such a great recommendation and it is also um it is so bittersweet but so it 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 fulfills it's yes oh my gosh um david allen greer you got james belushi is hysterical in it it is so sweet and funny all generations. And um, Lydia, my daughter, loved it. We watch this movie probably a couple times a year. We love it so much. Right. And I've, I've, I've been able to friend uh, Bonnie Hunt on uh, Twitter and such and send her little notes and stuff, as well as the other uh, person, Don Lake, that she wrote the movie with. Right. I've worked with Don before and got to tell him how much this movie means oh. to me. Uh, it is a sweet, sweet movie. Bonnie it's Hunt, about- another name that uh, unfortunately might get lost to some generations who don't know what a, a comic talent she was and was Power always yeah. underutilized. But anything she was ever involved with, she's the best part of it. And she got to direct <laughs> this movie. I can't believe she didn't get to do more. Um, I know. Man, it's what a great it is- one. So everybody, I believe it's on like Amazon or Netflix or something right now. So everybody should watch Return to Me in this day and this time because it's so sweet. It'll make you laugh really hard. It'll make you cry like, oh, oh man, I'm just tearing up thinking about the story. Just, uh, all right. It's Return yeah, to Me from 2000. David Duchovny, Mini Driver, directed by Bonnie Hunt. She is in it as well. That is a great recommendation, James. Oh, go yeah. oh, so good. It is laugh out loud funny at times, too. And it's just David Duchovny at his absolute best, you know, because yeah. he is just so sweet in this. And you just you love all of them. It's great. But the scenes with Carol O'Connor and Robert Loggia and all the, the old guys that work at this Italian, that own this Italian <laughs> restaurant. Right, right. O'Reilly's Italian restaurant. Um, it is so sweet and lovely. And I just recommend it. Highly, so, so fun. But, Excellent. Yes, so Arthur, Return to Me, Defending Your Life, kind of the top ones. Then uh, Sideways. Oh, yes. Uh, the Sideways the Wine Country one. movie. Absolutely. One. And, and it was shot near where I grew up in Santa Barbara. And, uh, and we just love that movie. We play the soundtrack to that movie all the time That's in the house. Because so it's great. just a great jazz soundtrack. If you ever want to see Paul Giamatti at his Giamattiist, that's oh the movie. Gosh. I mean. Sideways. Yeah, not 
really great for all. Like we haven't shown that one to my daughter yet because there's a couple scenes. There's yeah. some nudity and stuff in there that's, <laughs> that's yeah actually very funny. But uh, it's definitely an adult film. But it's uh, an R-rated film. Yes. Yeah, but man, um, it's so good. And then one of the other ones that's rated R, and I don't really know why. I guess maybe some f bombs or something. Uh, but we showed it to my daughter recently because she loves the soundtrack, and it's uh, called About Time. And it's from the maker of Love, actually. And it is a brilliant, brilliant movie. And it is about... Uh, oh, Nye yes, yes. This is like father. a time travel film. It's a time oh, travel yes. movie, but it's a love story. And it's not anything like what we just said. The, the explanation, you may go, time travel love story? No, no. It is one of the most charming movies just about family. It's really about fathers and sons and, and daughters. And yet there's this weird kind of time travel element to it. <laughs> yes. And and it's appropriate that you mention it with some of these others because it is written by Richard Curtis who may who yes. wrote Love Actually and Bridget Jones um yes. uh Four Weddings at a Funeral Notting Hill. So if if any of those movies resonate with you and you haven't seen about time uh it is absolutely lovely. Wow, Rachel McAdams and Donald Gleason, right? Yep. Yeah, Don, Don, Donald Gleason. Yeah, Donald, 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 Donald. Um, yeah. He's Dom, he's great. Donald, Donald. There are some moments. Bill Nye is so yes. so sweet and wonderful. As somebody that grew up not having a father figure, I watch this and I just long for these moments that they have in this. It's so uh, charming and 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 everybody's British, so it makes it all the more charming. <laughs> that's uh, you know? that's a plus, absolutely. It's like um, so, yeah. Ab- about time, love actually about a boy. That's another one that is one of my favorites. Love that movie. Uh, yeah, um, and then there's okay. So like Tootsie. Is also one of my absolute all-time favorite movies of all time. We've watched that. I've watched that a couple times recently. It's Tootsie. such a well-done comedy. It's it, yeah. it's it's unfortunately I don't know how much of the sexual yeah. dynamics have aged very well, but man, it is such a finely crafted comedy from top to bottom. It's so good. Yeah, my daughter. It's funny. My daughter watches. She goes, I liked it, but I don't really get into all that gender stuff. Once you know, yeah. <laughs> she's like. Because now it's a it's a whole other argument or a, a whole other uh, thing now about gender. It's not you know so much about a guy dressing up as a girl, right? It, you know, so so in her mind it was a different film. So yeah, she was like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, but uh, Parenthood, we just showed her a couple nights ago. Oh, great! She, she loved that. <laughs> Parenthood was great. Not the TV show, but the movie that it was based on. Yeah, the with uh, uh, Steve Martin and uh, Rick Moranis. Um, Rick Moranis, who I missed yeah. terribly, and Tom Hulse and. Jason Robards. Directed by Ron Howard. Directed by Ron Howard, yeah. Now, so, and let me just very quickly say, though, because there's different genres that I have my favorites in. First, like, thrillers, the game, and reversal of fortune are my two favorites. The game with Michael Douglas, it's a... a, So good. And Sean Penn, yeah. Sean Penn, really good. We just showed that to my daughter the other night, and she really liked it. If you Um, like a good twisty kind of turny thing, oh, wow, that's good. And then Reversal of Fortune, Jeremy Irons, who won the Oscar for that. Yes. Glenn Close, uh, the true story of Klaus von Bülow. It is such a well-crafted movie. And Ron Silver playing uh, Dershowitz. 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 Yes. Um, But then, uh, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, My Life. Uh, for a drama, it's Michael. Uh, or, it's um. What, why why did his name just go out of my head? Um, I was going to say Michael Douglas. It's not Michael Douglas. It's um. Hang on. Are we talking about the uh, the Billy Joel tune from uh, the <laughs> from 
No, the, the movie My Life. Good in my yes. life. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Uh, Michael well, Keaton. It's Michael Keaton. I'm sorry. Michael Keaton and Nicole Kidman is it's one of the sweet. And it's again, this is a great example of, uh, you know, I'm a person of Christian faith. This movie is not about that. It's more about like, you know, more of a Buddhist kind of look at life and stuff. This man has cancer. He's dying. His son is about to be born and he makes videotapes for his son to see who he was before he dies. Mm-hmm. But he's this successful ad man out in Hollywood. And it's a really it's all about letting go of fear and stuff too it's it's kind of like the serious version of defending your life uh, I, and i really love the movie and it's one of my favorites um oh. for a good sweet kind of tearjerker excellent um and then uh magnolia the film magnolia oh, wow okay that there's a left turn i didn't expect holy <laughs> cow yeah that i will throw magnolia on when I want it, I, there's something about that movie. It's very, very heavy and all sorts of things going on. But man, is it a great, well-crafted film. I mean, I would say the same of Boogie Nights. Now, that's that's a very heavy, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's not one you're going to show the kids. Neither is Magnolia necessarily. But um, man, is Paul Thomas Anderson a brilliant filmmaker. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, those so two those in particular, I, I, I have a real affection for. I have a, I have a weird relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson, but I, I tell you, <laughs> if Boogie Nights comes on, or Magnolia for that matter, it, yeah. that, those two, and I think that that's a lot. Of, Pete Siegel and I were talking about this too. It's like, they're the kind of movies that if you find them on some channel somewhere, uh, yeah. you will pick it up and watch it no matter what. And exactly. no matter where it is in the film, because you just can't, can't help but be off. drawn in. And Boogie right. Nights has always been that way for me. Magnolia uh, has has also got that capacity. I'm too. wondering if it's because it's not so much about what it's about, the theme of adult films. It's about the time period that they captured so well. And it was the time that we grew up. Or, you know, I mean, well, I'm, I'm much older than you, Larry. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I it, wish. it reminds me of that time period so well, just like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did. I yeah. thought it was just so such a great slice of that time. Period. I think it's so much so much of it is storytelling. And to me, it's like it, it, you drop into something like that. Boogie Nights in particular, because it is immersed in a different time period. But but also the momentum of the movie is it, yeah. it, the way it's told. It's just comes down to the having your finger on the pulse of how cinema works. I mean, the way you tell a story, once it, if you can pull you in in the middle and you're still interested, even if you don't know every or remember everything that's going on, that just yeah. says something about the, the filmmaker as a storyteller, that he can grab you no matter what point of the movie. And that's, that's kind of what Boogie Nights has always been for me. It's like, I will sit there fascinated. Uh, Pete Siegel and I talked about Tarantino in the same way. Uh, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... For him, Inglorious Bastards is the same. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, drop you in the middle of that one and you're like, okay, I got to see this to the end yeah. because yeah. I know what's – even if I know what's coming. And I know it's good because my wife feels the same about those. Like she enjoys them and she doesn't necessarily like, you know, violent movies right. or anything too. Right. But Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights, that's all you got to say. That scene. That they oh. never made Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield seem more terrifying. Yeah. Or Sister Christian by Night Ranger have such right. dread to it. Yes. Yeah. It's so, oh. um, so honorable mentions. Also, another one we watch quite often is I Love You, Man with Paul yes. Rudd and, and Fantastic. Jason Fantastic. 
it is just it is comfort food. It's like freaks and geeks, and it's made kind of in that by the same kind of group of folks in that regard. Right. It's just so good and so funny. Jaws is another one. That uh-huh. That's one of mine. Oh, it's Absolutely. A killer shark. But man, is it my I haven't shown it to my daughter yet because she still likes going in the ocean. And I just don't <laughs> want to ruin that for her. Uh, we're never going to get to go back in the ocean again. I think it's okay. <laughs> Here's one I don't know if you've ever seen, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to watch it at some point if you get a, cho- a chance. It's called Shattered Glass. Oh, yes. It stars Hayden Christensen. It is, uh, Stephen Glass was a reporter and he- This is a true story, stories. by the way. It's a true story. He faked stories to get in papers, in mag- in the magazines and stuff, and and he made stuff up. And it shows how far somebody that goes down the path of kind of like psychological, um, uh, pathological lying will go. And uh, it's really an, an astounding story to see this kind of person and this type of- actions in somebody's life it's, yeah. it's really interesting good stuff yeah um how much longer is your list james because uh, oh my gosh yeah. yeah well all pretty much all of john hughes's movies from the you know ferris bueller and breakfast club and uh, all of those uh weird science even i love all that uh, but um when i want to feel good and fun we love the greatest showman as a new one that's one of our new very ones. nice very yeah, nice i really enjoy that but we also just showed my daughter austin powers movies wayne's world and the wedding singer and The Wedding Singer is one of my wife and I's favorite comfort foods as well. That's great. Oh, these are yeah. great. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we only have, like, I don't know, three more months to fill time to go. So we're going to be going <laughs> through all this list. Uh, James, this has been a delight. And uh, I should mention that Defending Your Life is available on all the streaming platforms right now if you want to check it out. He and I, uh, James and I both highly recommend this as a lovely movie pretty much for the whole family. Uh, yeah. It's a romantic comedy. It is very funny uh, and and ends with such a nice, heartwarming moment that uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. It is also available for free right now if you are a Spectrum subscriber, I believe. Wow. And it's also on uh, HBO Now or HBO Go On Demand. Yes, that's right. Um, so, excellent. James, um couldn't be happier to talk to you, happier to talk to you. I know that we're going to roll right into your podcast here. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if you're not sick of talking to me yet, we got uh, yeah. a little more time to go here. But thank awesome. you so much. Is there anything we need to know about what's going on with you uh, other than uh the only thing I'm going to ask you is how does Clone Wars end? <laughs> I can't tell you that. No, you can't. No, no I nobody's can't. listening. No, James. Oh, sure. Um <laughs> uh, uh, Obi-Wan uh, has uh, apparently been popping up here and there throughout. Um... He has, and people have been very gracious and kind uh, saying how much they love it. We are at a point, there's only two episodes left uh, of Clone Wars What's now on Disney+. Plus. What's going to happen? I'm not telling you, okay. but it is very much, um, we are now in the storyline where it is connecting and <gasps> going on at the same time as Revenge of the Sith, <gasps> the film. So, do you know what well, happens? I know what happens. I'm because I was there. I, <laughs> but, but I can't tell you. But you could. Though. I can't. But you could. I can't. Not if James, I ever want to work James, again. Shh, shh, shh. They're all James. 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 <laughs> what happens? <laughs> uh, okay. You ready? Oh, yeah. Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader. There you go. Oh well. Sorry. What? Okay, spoiler alert. Actually, the Emperor. Okay. All right. You know what? We're done.
James Arnold Taylor, tell everybody where they can find you, your YouTube channel, your own podcast, uh, although most people listening right now already know because you have way more fans than I do, but just remind everybody. <laughs> well, you can go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com. That's kind of your one stop there to find all the links. But you can follow me on social media. All of it is the same. It's hashtag uh, or its uh, handle is uh, at Jat Actor, J-A-T Actor, because I have the longest name in show business. <laughs> and you can go to my YouTube channel and search for me there and subscribe to the channel, please. It's free. My podcast is on there. And there are literally hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel that I've made through the last several years, including... Uh, one based on my book that I wrote, Jat 365, which is 365 Daily Inspirations for the Pursuit of Your Dreams. It is, you can walk with me daily for a year through positive little things that I give you, little pep talks that I give you that are about 60 to 90 seconds long. And those are on the YouTube channel. Plus, um, one's in the booth. You can watch me doing my voiceover. You can listen to my podcast, which is called Talking to Myself, which is also the name of my stage show that I have that I've taken all over the world and toured with. It's my life as a voice actor, and I tell stories, and I do about 200 voices in it. And my podcast is uh, the same name, and I do a bunch of characters on that show, including ones that I created with you back in the day in radio. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and so it's a lot of fun. It's me doing all of it. It's very similar to another guest you've had on the show, Phil Hendry. Uh, it's very similar to what yeah. Phil does. Uh, he is brilliant at it. And I... Um, I've just been basically having conversations with myself and all the characters are me on the show. Uh And so it's a lot of fun. And you can find that on wherever you podcast as well as on my YouTube channel. Yeah. If you want a visual of the personification of somebody who works in voiceover going insane in the middle of a quarantine, (laughs) then watch James do his (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Watch the promo, the trailer for it, because, uh, yeah, that's nuts. It was the same way when watching Phil Hendry work and I went... This is just making me nervous because I feel like I'm watching somebody in the middle of a nervous breakdown. I can't imagine how this is happening. James, I love you. I love your family. Please uh, give my best to you, yours, and you and you. Give my best to you and yours. You, me, go. Pass along to you. And uh, I love you. And uh, you're such a good friend. And uh, um, even... Across the distance, I am so happy that we were able to connect today. It's a good excuse for us to sit here and talk about movies we love for an hour. So what's better than that? Well, we could have talked for 12 hours probably. For a minute there, it felt like it was going to be. So... You are the one person in my life, Larry, I mean this with all my heart, that I instantly become funnier and better (laughs) when I'm around. Honestly. Yeah. I've always said that. I've always noticed that. I'm like, I am so much funnier and better when I'm around Larry. So that's, uh, God bless you. I love you as well. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Thanks for spending the time, and uh, uh, we'll talk again. Okay. All right. Stay healthy. Be safe. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.